0: About it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900CHML.
1: Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Ted and Diana are in the newsroom. Will is on the board. We got more kids for Halloween than we have had for the last 10 years. And their parents got a special vaccine shot
0: too. Oh, Here's hey, hey, no, Scott no. no, no, no. Shh, 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 shh. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> X-Nay, X-Name. i will be telling Daddy secrets. I'm not a doctor, but I play one in the neighborhood sometimes. Uh it is 309. It is Hamilton today. I'm Scott Thompson. Will on the board. Ted and Diana, uh, in the newsroom. Jump into the fun. We would love to hear from you. Lots of ways to do that. Send us a note, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. The phone lines are always open at 905-645-3221-starred 9900, uh, on your cell. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. We had a great Halloween last night. It was incredible. And, uh, listen to me. I'm all excited about it. Uh, my Halloween decorations are already down. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm one of those people. So uh, I was very surprised. Like our neighborhood, it's, I don't know, when do we move here? Anyway, it's like 20, over 20 years. So it's like 21, 22 years, something like that. And, you know, when we moved here, we didn't have kids. And then, of course, you know, you start procreating. And the next thing you know, you got a neighborhood of screaming kids running around. And it's like that for like 10 or 15 years. And then they kind of get up or grow up and go to school and move away. And, you know, some families have sold and turned over and such. Um, So over the last 10 years, I would say five years anyway, uh, we've certainly saw a decline because there just isn't as many kids. It's, you know... All the, uh, the middle-aged people with, you know, kids in university are moved on. They're handing out the candy. And so it's sort of slowly been declining, 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 declining. And then, uh, last night, man, honestly, I, I think we had more than we've had in the last five years combined. Uh last year I think we had two groups, but that's COVID. Yeah, that's understandable. And then I think the year before that we had maybe six. (laughs) So so it really wasn't many. And uh but last night and you know, you can see people were doing it differently. I saw uh, lots of groups of multiple kids. So you'd see two or three parents together and then a whole pile of kids. And, uh, you know, I saw lots of that. And uh, even a couple of older kids, which was great to see them out and about. And, you know, some of the ones that maybe missed it last year. So, uh, yeah, I, I was quite impressed. But here's the other thing that was really bizarre. So uh, every so often, you know, you just you walk out to the end of the street and you look left and look right and see what's going on. There, I would say half the houses we're giving out stuff, maybe even less than half. Uh, half, the ha- half the street was dark and the other half was lit up and people were participating. And yeah, I didn't say less than half was lit up. So and, and that's what we were talking about on Friday. And we, th- I thought it was kind of bizarre. So there was less people going to participate, but there was more people going out. Someone's getting ripped off there. Someone's taking advantage of the system. So uh and I didn't understand that. And I remember asking the you know, the great people at Leger about all of that and so on, no no, as we got, that's what we got. And and sure enough, I think that's what we saw. At least that's what it translated to. More kids, but it appeared less people uh in the neighborhood participating. So I don't know, at the end of the day, I think the spirit's back. I think people were uh, you know, felt safe enough and such. We did, you know, the typical thing right I did my shoe. I didn't have the box to do the, what I did last year. So basically threw a handful into, uh, of stuff into treats into a bowl. And every time the kids came up, we just put a new bowl out there and a new and they helped themselves and off they went. Uh, tickety boo, all was good. And, uh, I think by about eight o'clock at night from six to eight, it was, uh, it was reasonably steady and then kind of tailed off from there. So, i would say halloween is back and now we can just get those people that close their doors to turn their lights back on and get up from behind the couch and uh you know participate then it would even be more fun but the costumes were great kids were into it and uh you know we always do our house up lots of compliments on that which we you know which was great so um yeah good all around so uh kudos to the hammer and everybody I, i you know and i'm sure not all neighborhoods were like that but uh, let's throw it out there. It's uh, on Facebook today and such. Like, did you get more? Did you see more? Because, again, in our uh, neck of the woods, we, de- we did see more for some reason, whatever that is. All right, we got another jam-packed show for you. Hope you hang around for it. Uh, coming up next, we're going to touch on another small business uh, in the area. Also, uh, did, was anybody involved in that Bell glitch thing where the, I don't know, the um, I think the world stood still for about an hour, and all the people who had bells just were checked out. They had no idea. Some of them forgot we even in COVID. The, the whole Their whole world just came to a stop. I think, Will, you experienced that, didn't you? Did you have yep. a... So it it, it it thought your phone was on daylight savings time and switched back?
2: Yeah. At uh, some point overnight, it did its little rollback. Uh, I woke up and, uh, you know, was humming along, working. And, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm starting everything nice and early, and I'm feeling kind of at it. I'm going to get into work early. I'm going to do this. And as I'm going through the news items, I get down to the very bottom of my list. And it's like, by the Way your clock might be messed up it's like uh-oh. so you thought you were ahead of the day and man no you were just on time just average yep. <laughs> whatever uh, oh wow
0: now it'll feel like the day will drag out longer for you uh but people don't ask what's the time and people don't really wear watches anymore and if they do it's more of a fashion statement uh than it is a device that helps you tell time unless it's like an apple watch which of course you know Smart technology that wires everything, hooks everything, wires <laughs> hooks everything up together. So let's bring in Derek Sardo, president of Rolling Thunder Thunder CA, to find out more. He's with us now. Derek, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I'm doing great. Happy November. And back at you. So, uh, have you? Is it, what are your thoughts on this happening? This seems like something so basic. It's it's kind of hard to screw up. How did they do this? What
3: happened? I think they made a mistake and um, they went off the UK time. Um, which, which would be um, at the right time, it would have been an hour. So it it would have been right for UK time, but it was not right for Canadian time.
0: So they were setting their clocks for a UK
3: time know. change. So so uh, you know, no one's n- no one knows yet. No one's really come out and said they said they had a problem. Uh, they had a fix pretty pretty early this morning, and but some people's phones needed to be rebooted. Uh, it depended on the phone manufacturer and type, but uh, they had to be rebooted in order to get the new time or the right time.
4: Right.
0: So, uh, so obviously uh, it happened, and then the fix was quick. In behind it, people love to hate uh, big telecom for whatever reason they can, and I guess you know, rightly so. Uh, does the, what, does well, do com- what does this do for confidence? What does this do for confidence?
3: Right. That is. That is. People love to hate big companies in general. Yeah. And uh, the, the problem with our society is that we do rely on these big companies and, and we love the services that they provide. You know, the ability to have a phone in your pocket, the ability to have email and to text people and to have Facebook and uh, Instagram and all of these wonderful things. But when it goes out, look out, the public doesn't like that.
0: <laughs> so what sort of problem would this have caused for them? Other than obviously everybody getting the wrong time?
3: Yeah, well, you know, people rely on this and um and, and the big problem was people were late for work. People missed their flights. Um this was a little bit more of a problem than in an outage, let's say that you couldn't use Facebook when you look at your phone and it says, I need to be the airport in an hour, but you really <laughs> needed to be there an hour ago, yeah. that's a problem. And so uh, there's a lot of uh, upset people today just because of that. And again, you just don't even think about it because we, we come to rely on them so often. Now, if you were with Rogers or with TELUS or with any other company that wasn't associated to Bell, it wasn't a problem. But uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a sort of a PR nightmare for for Bell. And um, what it goes to show you is, uh, you know, you you, um, can't rely on everything uh, just blindly. Uh, But we don't have clocks anymore. We don't have those clocks that sit on the bedside table. And like you said, you don't have to run around the house and change things all the time because we just rely on technology.
0: Uh, The years that I've uh, spent talking to you about uh, all things tech, Derek, you've always talked about security, 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 security. Um, If you're having issues with the time, how can we be confident they've got a handle on security? Because you know that's what consumers are going to say today.
3: Well, security is is utmost importance, and and I, I preach this every day. Two things I preach every day, and not everybody listens to me. The first thing is security. You know, password one doesn't work anymore. Those are easily hacked. Uh, the second thing I preach is to have sure that make sure that you have backups to your data. Uh, a lot of people don't, and and so if anybody's listening, I'm going to tell you: if you don't have a backup of your data, you need to get one. You need to have something in place so that when um, things go wrong, not a big deal. And most people don't and have this in place until something really bad happens to them and they lose data and then they go back and say hey i should have done that uh it but it's too late at that point so usually people take it seriously once they've been burned once and that goes back to security because not only can a device fail and you lose your data but the security of that becomes paramount because now People can hack in, and if they hack in, they can put ransomware on. They can steal your data. They can delete your data. Any
0: reason that there's any issues with this glitch that has happened?
3: No, this one's this one's. A, I don't think you'll see it happen again. It's a, a one off. Um, uh, they 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 got it wrong, and something happened, and the and the and the flip uh, the switch flipped, and that was it. Uh, I don't think it's too important um, other than people missing things this morning.
0: Derek Sardo with us, president of Rolling Thunder, thunder thunder.ca to find out more. Derek, as always, thanks for the time. Be well.
3: You too. Take care.
0: Uh, I'm going to introduce you to a real live tree hugger. This is a fascinating story, and I love this. Hamilton is one of the... I remember somebody saying to me one time, uh, Hamilton is great because it's one of the original greatest old cities of Ontario, of Canada, whether you're talking about Toronto, uh, Hamilton, uh, Kingston, places like that, and... Some of uh, the great buildings, architecture uh, that we have around these cities uh, tells our history, tells the history of those that came before us. Uh, same thing with trees and, uh, and, and parks and areas that have been around longer than we probably have. To talk more about all this, let's bring in Alicia McCreekey. She is a landscape architect, environmental artist, searching for Hamilton's oldest trees, and uh, is with us now. Alicia, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well.
5: I am, yes. Thank you for um, for interviewing me.
0: Uh, this is, I find this fascinating. So you're a landscape, uh, landscape architect uh, and environmental artist, and ha- how did you get interested in the city's oldest trees?
5: Well, I think that they are um, something that everybody notices, but not everybody has a way to connect around. So, A lot of my research in in graduate school was focused on natural systems in Hamilton, and I realized that there's a really strong connection between these old trees and um, some of the systems at work in Hamilton that support Coots Paradise and um, the Niagara region. So I thought that they would be wonderful and really um, inspiring to study and that they may um, encourage other people to become more interested in them at the same time.
1: Are they protected?
5: No, right now they are—they are not protected. Hamilton doesn't have um, any protection around trees on private property, so so they're not protected right now.
0: So, in other words, there's no law that says you know if it's 200 years or older, you can't touch it. There's nothing like that.
5: that that's right. Yep.
0: So I remember every time we in the Christmas at Christmas time we go and we, we we go to a tree farm and we cut down a tree and I always joke around with my son we cut the end off it uh, in order so it's fresh and we count the rings uh, and to yes. try to determine how old the tree is and I don't know we've done that since the kids the kids were very very young. How do you determine how old a tree is without having to do that?
5: <laughs> Great question. Um So arborists use a a formula for determining um, how old a tree is. It doesn't involve cutting down the tree, which is great. But it it does involve measuring the circumference of the tree and then um, dividing that by pi to get the diameter and multiplying that number by the tree's growth rate. So every species of tree grows at a different rate, and um, those rates are available. And when you multiply a tree's size by that number, you get an approximate age of the tree without having to cut it down.
0: So it takes time to find out how old a tree is because you have to measure the growth.
5: Yes. Yeah.
0: So it would take you at least a year to figure that out, would it not?
5: A year to figure out the... No, it, it just takes um, time to measure the tree and then do the calculation.
0: So uh, how old is the oldest tree in Hamilton? Any idea?
5: Well... Um, so far, the oldest tree that I've found appears to be between 350 and 400 years old, and it's growing uh, in, a, in a very urban condition. It's remarkable that it's, it's there.
0: And is is there any reason to believe a tree this old is any more unhealthy? Or, I mean, is there a lifespan? Or is it as long as it keeps getting what it needs and nobody bothers it? It's fine.
5: Well, um, trees are kind of like people, and um, they each have their own their own lifespan. Certain species live longer than others. Burr oaks in in our region in Ontario live an especially long time. Um, some of them, if they're in the right conditions, will will reach about 400 years old. So, it's not unusual if you find a really old oak tree uh, to think that you know it it may have been around for far longer than, than we have.
0: Which is fascinating when you think uh, a tree's been sitting there for 300-plus years and what it has seen over time. Um, yeah. Are there lots of these in the Hamilton area? Are are you discovering them quite frequently, or is it people tipping you off to this, or, in you know, you go look for it?
5: Um, I had a, a feeling that there were a lot of them in the city just based on um, growing up in Hamilton and... Um, being around the city and since i started the project i i found about 40 of them and since uh, yesterday actually the public has been amazing at uh, contacting me about trees that are in their backyards and their neighborhoods and i've i received over over 60 new old trees um in 24 hours so there are are a lot around
0: the city oh so so you're going to be busy for a while i guess uh I yeah, so. <laughs> I was reading an article that you that you were in, and you were talking about a green corridor. What do you mean by that?
5: So um, Hamilton, as a city, you know, we know that Hamilton is a steel city. We know that Hamilton is an art city. But um, what what may be less well known or less popular is that Hamilton is also an eco city because of the systems that are at work uh, between the Niagara Escarpment and Cootes Paradise. So we have like amazing conservation authorities here doing wonderful work to make sure that those places stay intact. But what I'm interested in is actually the space in between those areas where um, uh, those systems are still working through the city itself. So by finding these trees, they do provide clues to where we could create restoration sites. So like regreen the city in a in a way that's connected. To reconnect some of those um, corridors that have become concrete through the city,
0: you know, there's lots of chatter, especially now post-pandemic, how we build the next great cities, what smart planning look like, and many, you yeah. know, fill in the the infields, the brown fields, the whatever uh, in in built-up areas. Should we be rethinking that and maybe turning them green?
5: We should be doing both. I think. I, I, I think. In filling the city um, with housing is a really good idea because it helps to protect our uh, surrounding green belt which is one of the most unique places on the planet um, but it doesn't mean that those places in the city become um, you know more concrete or or, or more gray they they can absolutely become green areas while still absorbing housing so mm. those the two things that necess- don't necessarily um, Exist separate from one another.
0: That's a good point, that's and it,
5: yeah. that's
0: a good point, and and it's too p. Pe- it's too bad more people don't meet in the middle and have that discussion. Alicia mariki is with us, landscape architect, environmental artist, searching for Hamilton's older trees. And if people want to give you information and, and help you, out where can they reach you, Alicia?
5: Um, they can reach me on my website, which is www. LeshaMockricky.com and that's L-E-S-I-A-M-O-K-R-Y-C-K-E.com, or on my Instagram account which is at, at Studio Tropos so that's C-O-R-P-L-S
0: and I've been pronouncing your first name incorrectly all this interview, have I not?
5: <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry and sorry, say it for me again Lesha Lesha All right, Lesha, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Good luck.
5: Thank you so much.
0: Catch up on the news and information you've missed. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Lots going on in the world, on the world stage, uh, the G20 uh, Summit, and then uh, the COP24 in uh, Glasgow, uh... and and a lot of focus on the world and world leaders and what they can do to fix the predicament that the world is in whether it is uh... a global pandemic uh... whether it is hunger or uh... whether it's flying into space uh... including elon musk saying um, if it just takes six billion dollars of my money uh... for the united nations to end world hunger and it can explain how it will be used i will donate it Uh, A lot of bizarre stuff going on, Uh, a lot of ethical questions being asked. Let's bring in Dr. Kerry Bowman, bioethicist with the University of Toronto and is with us now. Doctor, thank you for the time. I hope you're well, or
6: well, sorry. I am well, Scott. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, first of all, let's talk about these two summits. There's lots and lots of chatter. It's a great time for politicians to get up and, and, uh, and say all the great things that they need the people back home to hear about how pro uh, uh, and, and how aggressive they want to face uh, climate change. Is anything different this time? Is there any need for, is there any more urgency this time that, that things will actually get done? Many have criticized it's a lot of talk and no action
6: mm-hmm what's different is the urgency is is different uh the talk is not different and we look we're not going to know for a long time but let's start by talking about differences you know before it, it was very political divided you know uh you know boris johnson for example conservative party um you know what you have now is a chorus of world leaders that are saying we have to do this they're now saying pretty well we we, we are going to do this now I'm going to sound cynical and you know exactly what I'm going to say, what politicians say and what they do. We all know in all Western societies are two very different things, you know, and they've got a short election cycle. So here's the other thing that I take, you know, a lot of encouragement from. People are very concerned about this. I see it with students. I see people in the streets. You know, I'm working globally. Um, If politicians do not act on this, they're going to have to pay the price you know people are angry you look at extinction rebellion you look at some of these social movements i think they've got to stick to this because i think people are going to push back
0: china and russia obviously not participating or very limitedly um what can the others do to get them on board because we you know much like the global pandemic this is a world issue what can we do to get them on board
6: well, you know, diplomacy, which we haven't done a very good job of so far, and, and Brazil is, is only marginally there as well, you know, and Brazil's a huge one with the Amazon and their situation. So, wow, look, you know, these, these are really, really key people. Uh, more key than Canada, let's be honest. Um, now, China is not saying anything radically different than the others. China is pledging to do a lot of stuff. Coal is a huge issue, and China needs to get rid of it. They're not doing that right away. That's a big problem. But, you know, China is saying they're going to do it. Um, So Russia, I'm a little less familiar with. And, you know, the reason they're not there is not necessarily because of the environmental agenda. It's global politics are in a terrible state. Uh, we're all kind of we're not at war, but we're certainly not on friendly terms with a lot of people these days. The collective we Western cultures, um, you know, there's been fallout with China, with the Russian Federation. There's been a lot of antagonism with Brazil. Um, so it's not necessarily that they refuse to come because of the topic.
0: Let me ask you this question, because, uh, again, we have we we have various extremes on both ends of this argument. And unfortunately, uh, there doesn't seem to be any solution that everyone can agree on. I, I mean, more and more are obviously addressing the problem. But how do we fix it? You just talked about China and coal. We've read articles. Articles lately where they're even going back to that uh, because their economy is in such poor shape. If that one situation, and why don't we attack it this way, where here's the problem, we know what it is, and here's the worst things, here's what we have to do to fix that. For example, you just talked about, we're talking about these two countries and coal. What about if we went to one of these uh, great summits and said, let's start, let's start by doing this getting everybody off coal. And whatever we have to do to do that, whether it's increasing natural gas production, whatever... Let's do that. But it seems we've got a pile of different people coming out of this from a pile of different directions. Everyone's screaming from the mountaintop, and no one's rowing in the same direction. Is there any way we can take one goal at a time and move towards it and then the next and then the next? I mean, I know there's only there's a very limited amount of time here, but at the end of the day, it just seems we're all going in, in, in all different directions.
6: No, and what you're saying is absolutely logical. But, you know, we don't get along well enough to have one goal. And, and, and it's not just getting along. There's profound differences in, in culture. And remember, G7, G20, this is not the world order. You know, like we are used to seeing that as the world order. This is not the world order from the perspective of the People's Republic of China and to some extent the Russian Federation. They never bought into these concepts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did to some extent. But we see that as global direction. They don't. Um, You know, there's more to it than that. So, you know, we're really not on the same page. But what you're saying is perfectly logical. But we'd have to get there first. And I I actually think we have not done a great job in this country on global diplomacy. Um, You know, I think things are a little less antagonistic in the United States. Um, But again, you know, it's not that they're refusing the topic. We just don't get along that well to all sit down together. Mm. That's the real problem.
0: Alright, we've got obviously a limited amount of time and, and boy, yeah. we could talk forever on this, but uh, let's talk about, uh, and I, noticed this, uh, several months ago when all the billionaires started shi- uh, taking off into space that everybody was just, you know, crapping all over them for this, that, and the other, and my goodness, what a waste of money and a waste of time and whatever. And, and I remember there were parts, there were times in, in, in our, in our life when this was hailed as groundbreaking and such. Um, yeah. and I know there's, there's, there's a lengthy discussion to have, you know, what Elon Musk is doing versus what Richard Branson's doing and say, and such. But there was an interesting, uh, I guess tweet that came out from the United Nations saying, you know, if they only came together and gave us six billion dollars, we could solve world, world hunger right away and, and get this done. Elon Musk said, Hey, if you can show me where the money spent, I'll sell the stock. I'll give it to you. Ba, 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 ba. Is this logical? Are these just two, again, extreme discussions that doesn't help, that don't help anybody?
6: Well, you know, it's raising people's attention towards this goal. And look, I'm probably the wrong person, maybe the right person. I don't know. You know, I, I work on contract with the UN, and I'm just back from Yemen. So I, I've seen some horrors just very, very recently. Um, you know, it's the heart of the question. So Elon Musk is saying this won't solve the problem. But I, I'm trying to find the direct quotes. They're a little buried, I find. You know, was that the request, that we can solve world hunger or we have a crisis right now?
0: Exactly. And we can save these 42 million people if we do this one thing right now. Absolutely.
6: What the UN can do right now is they literally can save millions of people right now. The other thing is they can invest and build programs because the programs exist. They're not funded. I've seen some of them uh, that will absolutely contribute to future stability. Um, You know, I I know our time's limited. I I was in Yemen. Let me just say this. The constellation of of climate change, hunger, uh, war and COVID is unbelievable. And um, it's the children that are suffering. So I'm not sure what Elon Musk. I mean, the risk is he's he's kind of suggesting and maybe I'm wrong to say this and maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. He's kind of suggesting that, you know, there's no solution to this. and, And therefore, also, it has to go on Twitter. Like, how many how many characters are you allowed on Twitter? I'm not even on Twitter. Like, yeah, you, you have to solve. Is
0: it the discussion? Yeah. yeah, is it the, the discussion to be having on social media? Yeah. I hear you, Dr. Kerry Bowman, with his bioethicist at the University of Toronto. Fascinating topics. We'll chat again. Thank you so much for the time, Doctor. Be well.
6: You're very welcome. Take care.
0: All right. You might remember on Friday we were talking about this, that late in the afternoon, the story broke uh, that the federal government was, in fact, appealing a ruling ordering Ottawa to compensate indigenous kids removed from their homes. And, of course, this was very (laughs) hypocritical, considering it's this government that has brought truth and reconciliation uh, to everyone's attention, Uh, of course, came up with the very first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, which the prime minister then and snubbed, and so it seems that these discussions and these uh, issues are brought to the uh, forefront, and then it kind of disappears, and nothing really ever gets done. So it was fascinating when this happened on Friday that, in fact, they were going to continue on this uh, venture to 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 not live up to this uh, this decision um, from the courts. And yet, as the day progressed and as we finished the show, then it was, uh, well, we're going to enter into negotiation with them, meaning the indigenous community, the government and the indigenous community, and, and how we can negotiate a settlement and, and get to the bottom of all of this. Meanwhile the appeal is still in place, which seems kind of odd. Let's bring in Liam Midzane-Gobin, a settler scholar and assistant professor of political political science with Brock University and with us now. Liam, thanks
7: for the time. I hope you're well. Hi, Scott. I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you?
0: Good. So can you update us here and tell us what happened late Friday? Because many were questioning why they would do this so late and then you know, continue with the appeal, but then kind of entered into an agreement. What happened?
7: Well, so... What it seems to be the case is kind of exactly what Cindy Blackstock, uh, the, the head of the First Nations Child and Family uh, Services Group um, that is behind the, the CHRC case, the, the tribunal case, um, what she kind of said would happen, which is on the last possible day, at the last possible minute, they would file an appeal. And that is, in fact, what the, the Trudeau government did. So they officially filed an appeal um, with the federal court. Um, seeking to basically quash the uh, human human rights tribunal order. Um, And that order is for the government to pay $40,000 to um, each family or each uh, individual who is caught up in the uh, child and and family welfare system, basically. Um, And so at the last possible minute, they filed an appeal, but that appeal also said that they actually wanted a negotiated settlement, um, that they were willing to provide support but that um, they wanted it to um, be done in a thoughtful way. And that they had said that um, the First Nations Child and Family Services Group had agreed to sit down at the table. So that seems to be where we're sitting right now is apparently they want to negotiate a a resolution by December 2021. um, So the end of this year. And we'll kind of see if that actually happens.
0: So why would you not drop the appeal and then enter into that discussion? Because it seems well, like you know, <laughs> why do you start down this road if you've got no intention of going?
7: Well, that's the question, um, Scott. It's really hard to see uh, how this isn't somewhat cynical on the government's part. Um, if they had uh, dropped the appeal, if they, if or I should say, if they had not taken the step to file the appeal, because they took a very active step here to do this, but if they hadn't, they could have. They would have had to pay the 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 damages, the forty thousand uh, dollars per individual which in the grand scheme of things isn't that much for people who have been kind of most marginalized by the system that the federal government has been in charge of. Um, but they could have still come to some sort of resolution. And it would have signaled that they're actually willing to move forward and uh, own up to their responsibilities. That's actually what they did in an appeal on Jordan's principle on the very same day where they agreed to finally begin funding by not filing an appeal. So they're still wanting to kind of have it. have it both ways. Um, They want to maintain the stick of the appeal um, while also saying, but we're actually trying to, to work towards a resolution which I will say they've been saying since the very beginning, and it's been uh, years at this point.
0: Many have credited this government for bringing these issues to the forefront, and I would agree with that, whether it's truth and reconciliation, um, any of these discussions that we've been having in the last couple of years. I will credit the prime minister for for bringing the discussion to the table, but then as soon as it gets to the table, it seems he disappears and he has no, uh, okay, we're, we're, I'm going to get credit for organizing all this, but the solution is up to you. And I think people are looking for leadership here. And and I think the greatest example of that was him missing uh, the, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So why bring all of this up if you have no intention of moving forward? Because all you're well, really got- doing is being divisive.
7: No, absolutely. Scott, I was going to say did he does he miss the the boat or does he uh, jump on a plane to Tofino? who knows. Yeah. But I like I think I would agree with you. The the prime minister I think should get some credit for um genuinely putting this issue um Kind of into the forefront and into people's minds, and and I think that that's important. But if you're not then going to follow it up with genuine action, then all you're really doing is exacerbating the pain that a lot of people are already feeling, um, while really trying to get plaudits for bringing uh, attention to the issue. And that seems to be the move: is he wants the good PR of being yeah. um, the kind of thoughtful and progressive prime minister without actually having to do any of the work that being thoughtful and progressive might entail. I,
0: I don't want to let you go, Liam, without asking you about the the situation with the flags being at half staff. Uh, many thought that they would go back up on the the first day of of uh, truth and reconciliation as some sort of symbolic gesture that we're moving forward on this. Obviously, that didn't happen, and the prime minister missed the event and such. Uh, now we're uh, faced with uh, Remembrance Day on the horizon. Uh, legions have said that they will lower the flag, or sorry, raise the flag that m- morning and then lower it again. Uh, for the ceremonies and such. How do you get out of this mess?
7: Well, Trudeau was pretty clear at the beginning of September that he wasn't going to raise the flags until he had um, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit leaders um, kind of behind him in, in doing so. Um, and that has not happened. Uh, just a couple of days ago, actually, Roseanne Archibald, the current um, uh, Grand Chief of the uh, Assembly of First Nations, said that if anybody wants the flags raised, they have to do something to actually make it worthwhile raising them, that there has to be some other symbol there. Um, And it is symbolic, you know, the, the flags themselves aren't aren't doing a whole lot of work as we were just talking about. Um, But it is a really important recognition of um, who Ottawa is paying attention to and whose pain is going to be memorialized and commemorated. Um, And so, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see Uh, it's, It's not clear why keeping the flags lowered would in any way do a disservice to the service that um, servicemen and women have have put into this country. Um, I think it just recognizes the work that this country still has to do. So um, when it comes to the flags at Parliament, um, I think it's probably a good sign that they still haven't come up yet. Uh, Liam, not
0: to be cynical here, and I agree with everything that you say, but if the government's past record on any of this, including the current prime minister has anything to say, we're never going to see the flags raised again.
7: Uh, you, you might not be wrong about that. Um, I guess we'll see by the end of December if there is a, an actual genuine resolution to the uh, the appeal that we had been we had started talking about or whether or not uh, you know whether or not they're gonna have to keep them lowered as they keep fighting indigenous kids in court.
0: I think more canadians are aware of this and want to know more about their history am i being naive
7: no i think we see that in polling all the time we're seeing more and more um, non-indigenous canadians say they want to know more and the good thing is that there's a lot of history out there for them to learn um i think i've i've said before with you at uh, on national truth and reconciliation day you know the truth and reconciliation commission's report is incredibly readable and uh, incredibly informative. and mm. there are really easy ways for, for us to know that. and we're seeing more and people more and more people say they want to know. And uh, really quickly, you had said kind of the prime minister brings these things up and doesn't seem to follow through. Well, I think that this is maybe somewhere that Canadians are taking cue that it's it's on them as well. And good point. We're starting to see that, um, you know, pick up across the country there.
0: Good point. Good point. And I'm old enough to to remember, you know, Canadians saying, well, we really don't have a history because we're so young and we're this and we really know it's a land of immigrants and this and that. And we do have a history. We just chose to ignore it.
7: (laughs) I'm old enough to remember Stephen Harper saying we have no history. Of colonialism at G yeah. twenty summit, so I, yeah. I, I agree.
0: All right, Liam, uh, Liam Midzangobin with a settler, a settler scholar, and assistant professor of political science, Brock University. We'll chat again, Liam. Thanks for the time. Be well. Thanks, Scott. You too. You are listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from nine hundred chml. This is as bizarre as perhaps the prime minister uh, being in blackface. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, before I pass judgment on all of this, and then I pass that information on to you, and then you pass judgment, which we don't want to do, uh, I'm going to read you the story uh, right from uh, our Global News website. Uh, Gabby Rodriguez did this story uh, and uh, was posted this morning. A Toronto district school board teacher has been placed on home assignment after he showed up to a class wearing blackface makeup as part of a Halloween costume, the school's principal said. In a letter to parents, the principal at Parkdale Collegiate Institute in Toronto said the student, uh, said a student alerted the vice principal that a white staff member was in blackface on Friday, the last school before, uh, last school day before Halloween, when the staff and students typically dress up for Halloween. Caricatures of people's race or culture are not appropriate and are offensive and hurtful. Uh, the principal wrote, the principal then said the teacher was asked to immediately wash their face. A report was filed, uh, with the board. Uh, with their reporting and responding to racism and hate incidents, uh, all of the procedure. Um, due to the investigation, the teacher was put on home assignment pending the outcome. On behalf of Parkdale uh, Collegiate, I acknowledge and regret the harm this incident has caused to students, staff, family, and our shared climate, our shared school climate. While we have begun to work uh, of addressing anti-black racism and all forms of discrimination, it is clear we must do more. A petition was launched online over the weekend uh, saying that, the, that uh, the, the board do more to address anti-black racism in schools uh here's what here's what happened 9 30 october 29 child in uh this is a quote a child in your high school parkdale collegiate institute took 11 pictures of this grade 9 teacher in a black face wrote a concerned parent Uh, he was understandably upset our other children were understandably upset uh, when they asked the teacher what they were dressed up as the teacher stated that he didn't have an any idea what to do for a halloween costume so he decided to paint his face black uh, Global News spoke to uh, the principal who said that although the uh, the right actions were immediately taken by the principal after the incident was flagged, more needs to be done, and that incident is reflective of syste- uh, systemic issues in schools. Uh, my concern is how uh, could this have happened, how could we have let it happen, and get to the point where a teacher has been hired and uh, can even think that this is okay. Something went wrong with our system. Uh, she would like to see the Toronto District School Board have a more transparent process on how this was the parent, on how teachers are interviewed and hired, performance appraisals partially based on how a teacher is dealing with systemic issues like racism, and a better way for students to tell people about racism incidents. And there's a a picture of the text, and you can go to our website and see this of the of the tweet rather. And, uh, Toronto District School Board anti-black racism at Parkdale Collegiate signed the petition. And it has a shot of the teacher, um, which appears to be dressed in black. The teacher appears, there's only a top portion from the elbows up. The teacher's dressed in like a black long sleeve shirt. Um, and then their face around the circular of their face, uh, is black, glasses on over top of that, and then a mask on over top of that and you know again you see the picture you're not sure what the person is trying to be or what uh, what the purpose of any of this is Uh, but uh, clearly there's uh, an issue because um, haven't we talked about this when our prime minister uh, and shots of him surfaced as in blackface and as Aladdin Uh, I believe it was for uh, some sort of dress-up party as well so I think as Canadians, we've been through this because we've watched our our prime minister humiliate us with, with this sort of action. Um, so, you know, your first reaction is, well, did this teacher not, uh, were they not aware of this situation with the prime minister? Were they not aware of the backlash after these uh, pictures of the prime minister were discovered? Uh, I'm not sure. So uh, even if you were like the prime minister and didn't get it the first time, even if you were like the prime minister and were ignorant to how offensive this was, you'd think after the prime minister of the country uh, displayed that ignorance that it was kind of, uh, you know, we'd all take heed, we'd all understand, we'd all, uh, you know, we all knew anyway, but the prime minister kind of reinforced it for us. Oh, yeah, this ain't right. Or maybe people are looking, well, the Prime Minister can do it. Why can't I? Because there were certainly no repercussions for the Prime Minister doing it. He got elected again and again. So maybe people view it that way. If the PM can do it, why can't I? Or maybe this person had no idea what kind of issue or problem the Prime Minister got into. And as a teacher, I find that kind of hard to believe as well. But again, as we ask for this teacher's resignation, and you know, I, 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 I want to hear the story before I say it, but before we ask for this teacher's resignation, shouldn't we have asked for the prime ministers? You lead by example. And as I read a quote on Friday, something to the extent of, there's many people in leadership positions who really aren't leaders. They just somehow inherited the gig. And I would suggest a teacher who's walking around a Toronto school in blackface ain't qualified, just like our Prime Minister ain't qualified. But as we chastise one, and rightly so, we should equally hold the Prime Minister to account. But for some reason, not only didn't we, we still don't. We didn't then, and we haven't now. After the very same Prime Minister missed the very first day for truth and reconciliation so what to, at what point do the leaders of this great country the leaders of this land the leaders of everything and maybe even you and I start to do the right thing as opposed to setting the wrong example Former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney has given his opinion of uh, Aaron O'Toole and how he has been handling the issue of vaccination, uh, especially among members of the Conservative uh, Party, and uh, it wasn't very, very flattering. Uh, The former Prime Minister Mulroney uh, basically told uh, CTV that, who am I to argue with tens of thousands of brilliant scientists and doctors who urge the population to desperately get vaccinated, and we're going to have some members of my caucus, for example, who are going to say, I'm not doing it, they have to do it. He said, and then goes on to talk about various uh, other issues throughout uh, history and time, and how you have to lead, and you cannot necessarily please everybody in all of this. Let's bring in uh, Michael Tobe, Troy Media Syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, and former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. He's with us now. Michael, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. I am. Hope you are too. Uh, it was uh, interesting to hear the former prime minister uh, stand up and 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 sort of say this about Aaron O'Toole. It's funny because I've been saying a lot about you know over time and and such your grandfather's uh, conservative party. But I, I think what uh, uh, what Brian Mulroney said ha- has a bit of resonance. What are your thoughts on 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 how he characterized Aaron O'Toole and his handling of the vaccination issues?
8: Well, look, there are two prime ministers that I've been very fortunate enough to know on a first-name basis for many, many years, and they are Stephen Harper and Brian Mulroney. I know Mr. Mulroney quite well. I have a lot of respect for him. You know, was he perfect? No, but no prime minister was ever perfect. And, you know, obviously he has every right as a senior statesman to, you know, speak his mind on whatever issue that he wishes. And there will obviously be some conservatives who agree with him and others who don't. The problem is that um, while I recognize that Mr. Mulroney has made that statement and he's trying to sort of use or it's kind of emblematic of what, say, pre- Ontario Premier Doug Ford suggested, who basically made a similar argument that basically, you know, people in this caucus have to follow a line, be fully vaccinated or pay the consequences, as one already has, and a second one has since left too. The problem here, though, is that by nature... I've talked about this with you. Canadian conservatives try not to take a, a very difficult or a very uh, powerful position when it comes to something like free speech, freedom of choice, you know, uh, free movement, et cetera. Freedom is a major component of Canadian conservatism as it is for American conservatism, British conservatism, et cetera, et cetera. And for that reason, it's not as simple to say that, well, we're just going to turf everybody out, which is basically what Brian Mulroney is saying if they don't follow the you know the mainstream thought of how to deal with vaccination as well. I don't even know if it's much of an argument to make at this stage because as Mr. Mulrooney and most of your listeners know, the conservative party and Mr. O'Toole have already decided that conservative mps who actually go and sit in the house of commons will have to be fully vaccinated i
0: IRA. understand that michael but it's too late now because the election has already been lost and and again i understand exactly what you're saying and i believe in what you're saying and in, in the conservative policies and and in its individual rights i understand that 100 percent however how long do you have to keep going and losing elections because someone who is craftier than you has figured out how to trap you uh with your own Words and that is continually happening with the conservative party. And I think the reason people are listening to what Brian Mulroney is saying, not because he's going against traditional conservative conservatism, he's talking about leadership. And at some point, no matter if it's yours or the others or what have you, you got to make the call. And you know, it's as it's as Mulroney said in this article, the first couple of weeks of the election campaign, he seemed to O'Toole seemed to have it, and then he just you know, he let the prime minister go in and be as divisive as the prime minister is. And, and, and believe me, you know how I feel about him on those issues. However, he fell for the trap. So how long can you keep blaming uh, everyone else except the lead, except the leader themselves who really can't bring the party together?
8: Well, I'm sorry, Scott, it's actually not a trap. And I don't think that the conservatives lost the election because of that. I really don't. I don't think that as I've, I've discussed with you and many other hosts over the past few months there was no one single issue that brought anybody down because basically this parliament is virtually. But they still the lost. Parliament. But they still lost, it had Michael. To do it had nothing to do with them winning or losing. I, I how did they? How did they are lose? Starting to come back to this recently, it's nonsense. It was never discussed during the election. People are now trying to point fingers or throw a dart and say that was the issue. There was nothing. Basically, Canadians for whatever reason. We're frustrated to go to the polls. That was the only thing that really stood out during this election. Then after a couple of weeks, we did our typical Canadian thing of shrugging our hands, heads, and you know, shrugging our shoulders, moving our heads, and eventually going to the polls. So nothing really happened. But anyway, in terms of your question, which is the more relevant part of it, it isn't a game. They're not falling into a trap. And I don't know why we're discussing this so much. In the end, ultimately, and I don't mean to be a broken record, this is not what Canadian conservatives by nature stand for, and we're not going to just give up on an age-old philosophy because the Liberal government and other left-leaning opposition parties have decided to go one way. It's just not going to happen. It's as simple as that. I don't
0: know. Uh, I, I think you're making it sound more complicated than actually it is. It it's
8: about it, 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 complication it, it, is that we have to go along with what everyone else does. I'm fully vaccinated, Scott, so I'm not defending people who are unvaccinated only have one vaccine dose. What they're doing, in my opinion, is wrong. However, because the conservative party and the conservative movement has always believed in this sort of free type of discourse or intellectual discourse, I understand their position, even if I think it's completely off base. And for that reason, most conservatives tend to feel that way, even if they themselves are also frustrated with this situation. I'm sure it's not easy for Mr. O'Toole, I'm sure it's not easy for his senior advisors. And they know that this is obviously continuing to be a problem and it is staying in the news cycle and it's not going to disappear. But at the end of the disappear. day, Michael,
0: at the end of the day, Michael. The conservatives are not elected for one reason and one reason only, and that's because of the conservatives. It's got nothing to do with the liberals. has got nothing to do with the media. It's got nothing to do with anything else. The conservatives are missing the mark. Whatever the issue is, they're missing the mark and failing to connect. we got to pick this up later, Michael. I'm sorry. Michael Tobe with us, Troy Media Syndicated columnist, contributor to The Washington Times, former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. Thank you, as always, for the time, Michael. Much appreciated. The truth, and only the truth. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. All right, crew, uh, thanks for being you and being here. I cannot, uh, I have to start with a story. I just think this is absolutely bizarre. Uh, a teacher in Toronto, Parkdale Collegiate, uh, this is right down inner city Toronto, uh, shows up on Halloween, this is the Friday before Halloween, lots of schools have dress up and such, and the teacher's just wearing a very basic black uh, long sleeve shirt type of thing that appears, and then blackface with a mask on and glasses. And uh, at about 9.30, I guess a, uh, a parent uh, sent a note to the teacher, uh, the principal, along with... Uh, the pictures that these students had taken and, um, and saying, like, what the heck's going on here? And the teacher said as an excuse that they didn't know what to dress up as, so they just did this. So, uh, the prime minister did it. A teacher did it. Um, <laughs> where do you go with this? Should this teacher be fired,
1: Tad? Well, I'm looking at the picture right now. Um, So I'm sure this teacher is telling the kids in his class, be careful of what you do. Be careful of what you say. There's repercussions everywhere else. But for him to think, (laughs) Diane and I were talking off air, for him to think that he's putting on blackface before he goes to school, do you think at some point he might have thought to himself, you know what, this is not a good idea. And he called it his Halloween costume. Well, then just buy a mask. Or better yet, if it, don't do anything. You don't
4: have yeah. to.
0: Yeah, I just don't participate. No. Really. Uh, Diana, your thoughts when you saw
2: this?
4: Yeah, same as Ted. <laughs> I just mean, like, at some point when he was putting the makeup on his face, did yep. he not have, a, you know, a flag go up? Be like, you know what? I, I work in the school system. I'm a teacher. This is not cool. On a regular basis, this is not cool. But, like, I'm a teacher. Like, I'm supposed to be setting an example for these kids. Like, I just don't understand if he didn't know. Like, how is that even possible?
0: Here's the other thing to add to that, Diana. It, you know, we obviously know what happened with the prime minister and the blackface and the Aladdin and what have you. And the story that made when that hit the news. So, uh, you know, at that point, the discussion was had again, I guess. Uh, you have to wonder, did you not were you not exposed to that incident? Were you not aware that that even happened and how what the repercussions were after the prime minister did this? Well, I mean, uh,
4: exactly. There's no excuse. You can't say, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. You got it.
0: Although it worked for the prime minister. (laughs) That's true. um, And, and, you know, that's the other thing. Should he be fired, the prime minister wasn't. He got rehired twice after it. Wow. Um,
1: I don't know. Like, I... I'm sure the school boards being the way they are, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying this at all, but I'm sure that they will try to you know, protect the teacher. If, he, if he's suspended or something, we're not really going to find out anything about it. But I know that there's now a petition being signed or circulated about this particular uh, incident. Uh, you know, I, as a teacher, I'm, uh, as the expression goes,
0: what were you thinking? yeah well again uh will your thoughts on this uh especially after the repercussions that w- when the prime minister went through all this
2: i think i'm still fixated on his reasoning being well i couldn't think of a costume mm. so you thought of racism <laughs> what the heck
5: is this yeah. <laughs> it's
4: true yeah, I, uh, It's very. Bizarre. like go to the dollar store <laughs> look pe- and just grab a mask man like yeah, it's yeah. Not that
2: hard oh i don't want to know what mask he would pick out um right. <laughs> Re- repercussions wise you know I gotta recuse myself because I have I can't predict what's gonna happen with something like this it's too uh, bizarre but no there's there's definitely needs to be more repercussions on the federal level uh, as far as what we've talked about already and uh, in this case no they can't just brush this one they can't sweep this under the rug especially you know what
1: I so, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Especially after the Toronto District School Board earlier this year released the first of its kind human rights report which yes. found out that the board had quote a serious racism problem. Yeah. So,
2: well, see that's that's it. my suspicion is just what was he angling at here? That's just what I have to say. Well, and here's
0: the other thing. Uh, Unless he was completely ignorant of what happened with the Prime Minister, um, how could you not think this would draw attention to yourself and the controversy that it has? I mean, you had to know this. Uh, Was this the intention? Wow, I don't know.
2: Diana, you were going to say something?
4: No, I I was just saying, like, maybe he, like, I don't know, maybe he wants this attention or something because I I can't think of any other reason... Why you do this, like, I mean, you'd have to have been living under a rock to not realize that this is...
0: Not cool. not cool. <laughs>
4: like, you, you know, know, what, what else I, I mean? find
0: fascinating, too. It was nine thirty in the morning before this was reported by another student. And this teacher apparently isn't around in and out of the, you know, uh, other teachers saw them, I guess, is the point or him is the point that I'm making. It's like, at what point uh, does somebody say, hey, Bill, that's a bad idea. And I, I found it fascinating with the report when the principal said the teacher was told to go wash their face. Which is like, my God, that sounds like something you would say to a kid,
4: right, I know, but did no other like did none of his colleagues be like dude here's here's like yeah. a baby okay. wife right. go go to the bathroom now yeah. and okay. take this
1: off if he was told or it was suggested by the principal or other people for him to go wash his face, the question now becomes, why didn't he heed that advice? Well, well he w- did eventually, yeah, he eventually, eventually.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess nobody told him that initially. He just, he was, it was great until the student, uh, said something. Ooh. I know. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. And, uh, you know, where do you go from this and how do you, uh, explain to kids and everybody else? And we talked about this the other day. You know, there's a lot of people in leadership positions that just are not qualified to lead. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's move on and talk about something a little bit more fun. Uh, I don't know about you guys. We were talking about this before uh, the weekend, but we saw more kids, uh, for Halloween this past year than we have seen in like five years what was it like for you guys
1: uh we counted we had about 60 roughly which is more i think than last year because of covid um and toward the end we just kind of left the bowl on the on on the porch because i was watching football i didn't want to get up and go back and forth but that's i digress but but the point is every kid that came up was polite i i stood at the screen and saw them thank you they they took one and then they left so yeah it it was good um yeah. I i mean, this is great. The tradition continues. There was one guy there; his kids were up on the porch, and you know, okay. And I said to the dad, "What do you want?" And he just held up a can of beer and said, "I got what I need." So
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Vaccine shots yeah. being handed out during Absolutely. Halloween. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Uh, did you see more than you did prior to the pandemic, Diana? Uh,
4: you know what? The year before the pandemic, so it would have been the October 2019, I think it was on a Friday night, it would have been, that, I, yeah. that Halloween landed. And there were so many kids. Yeah. Like I'm saying like, I couldn't even sit down for a second. Like It was just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Last year, obviously, we had the driveway thing going on, and there was some kids. Yeah. This year, I'd say we had about 50, 50 or 60 as well. But it didn't I- seem as busy as, year, as the years passed.
0: We talked about this the other day, too, about the Leger poll, because I remember walking down the end of my driveway and just looking down the street, it it appeared that less were participating, but we got more kids, which is what the surveys were saying. But it it seemed to be lots of kids, but not as many houses. Did you see any of that?
4: You know what? I actually did. Um, Like like I said, in 2019, there were lots of houses on our street that actually had their decor up and the lights on. And I found that this year, not as many. A lot Mm. of lights off. yeah Yeah. same
0: thing all right thank you kids as
4: always it's
0: hamilton today i'm scott thompson will on the board ted and diana in the newsroom feel free to jump into the fun oh last word you want it uh call will 905-645-3221 star 9900 on your cell he will give you the platform to get it off your chest uh let's bring in scott radley host of the scott radley show sports columnist with their columnist rather with your hamilton spectator and with us now scott thanks for the time i hope you're well I
9: am just fine. It's November. It's, I, I can't believe we're in November. It seems like it was just July,
0: doesn't it? And only people who are over fifty years of age say that. But I understand it's what you're true. saying and it's, agree with you. 100%. It's just
9: like, wait, I was just sitting out in the backyard reading a book, and now it's November. What the heck happened? But
0: anyway. Uh, okay, and I'm now going to sound again like a fifty year old guy and say, Did you have as many kids uh, for Halloween? We had a ton of kids last night. How did you guys do?
9: I think we did pretty well. My wife handled most of it because uh, I was tied up. I don't even know what I was doing. But uh, we, we were busy. I mean, it was not, uh, you know, the, there's been a few years where even before COVID, there were a few years where there was a lot yeah. of candy left over. And I don't know if she was just being particularly generous this year, but we don't have nearly as much for me to ram down my gullet.
0: Which is a good thing I found, but we we did the same thing. All right, Tucker, enough. I'm almost finished. Um, we noted I went out and walked around, like just down the end of my street and stuff, and I noticed that there were way more kids out, but there was like less than I'd say half the half the people participating. So as Leje pointed out last week, more people trick or treating—that's what they predicted—but uh, less people participating as far as the house. That's what I thought. But man, I, we were seeing kids that we haven't seen. Uh, we didn't see the numbers like we haven't seen for maybe five, six, seven years I, I thought it was great
5: how
9: long have you lived at your house by the way 20 21 house?
0: years so that's the see, deal right so the yes, first 10 years tons and tons of kids and then all the kids get older and then they go on from there
9: exactly that's what we were in the house they almost the exact same amount of years and at the beginning when we would take our kids when they
0: were very very young it was yeah.
9: people as far as the eye could see yeah mayhem it, it then it cooled off and see i think that's as much of as anything depending on where you live you're into this yeah. new wave of of kids and so yeah that's great, you know. Like we were talking last week, and you know, I know there are places that are like, don't do Halloween. Come on, do Halloween. It's fun. It's it's. Yeah. This is one of the things that kids love. What? Do it
0: anyway. Yeah. They do I agree. It feel good. I know. Uh, good for good for everybody who participated. Now we can get some of these cheap people on my street to uh, turn on their lights and get out from behind the couch. That would be great too. All right. <laughs> um. Let's chat. Let's talk about the. Uh, I don't know if you heard of this. Uh, Toronto teacher who on the Friday before Halloween, as many <laughs> schools dress up, this yep. guy decides he didn't have a really good costume, so he dons blackface. Uh, he gets around the school until about, I, I guess, 9 30 or so, and then finally uh, somebody sends a, a, a picture to their parents, and then the parent phones the principal and says, what the heck's going on? And then eventually the teacher was told to go wash their face. My goodness. Um In, in a post-Prime Minister blackface Aladdin world, how can you see this happening?
9: So uh, a whole bunch of things on this one. First of all, I would really like to see what the black face was. I'm assuming I've seen the picture. Described. I've seen Did the picture.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's basically, and I'll describe it for you, basically a, g- a guy, very undescript. It was in a uh, black shirt, long sleeves, and then a uh, black face in the circle around the, the face, and their glasses on, and a mask.
9: Okay, so my, my, my first thought was, geez, I wonder if this is a guy who was like pretending to be a, a soldier or something with some no. camo stuff on, but it's really blackface. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so
6: the,
9: the next question is, how can you possibly be so stupid? Yeah. Uh, which I just did like, it, it seems to be stunning that somebody could do that now, even if you don't see it as a problem that you could not understand that this is going to get you in a world of trouble. I just, I, 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 I just can't fathom, how you could possibly, especially at a school, how you could possibly think this was a good idea. Uh, but item number three, as you just described, and I'll be really interested on this one. When it comes to his discipline hearing, or her, I think it was a him, but the discipline yeah. hearing, which is inevitable, it, can you use as a defense, the leader of our country did it with no repercussions, therefore the message to me was, this is fine. Yeah. And oh, look, I don't think that's an excuse. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, what the prime minister did is equally idiotic. And, you know, the fact that he was, but not, he
0: didn't get fired. He got hired again.
9: Uh, uh, yeah. And so, you know, this is, this is one of those situations where you gotta be, you gotta be a little bit careful if you, if you brush it off, which, you know, a lot of people at the time sort of poo-pooed and said, oh, well, it was in the past or, oh, he was a young man. He was a teacher at a school. It's the exact yeah, same exactly. story. Exactly. It's the exact same story. So if at the time, you were one of the people who was saying, hey, don't worry about it. It's, you know, it's not that big a deal. Well, then I don't think you have the right today to point to this guy, who I think is an idiot, and say um, it's a big deal. It either is or it isn't. And, and this is the confusion we have. And I mean, remember back in the days when – Bill Clinton got caught with doing his little shenanigans, and I think it was Gloria Steinem who said, "Well, he's allowed a free, you know, whatever." And it's like, wait a second, you've been screaming forever, you and others, that imbalance of power and all this stuff. You either have to, you have to be consistent. It's either wrong or it's not wrong. And if it's not wrong, why is it not wrong? And if it is wrong, stay with it being wrong. It's just, you know, when you start to massage the morality and the ethics and the right and the wrong, all you do is cloudy and muddy the waters and make it impossible down the road for a consistent message to be told.
0: Scott Radley with us, host of The Scott Radley Show, columnist with your Hamilton Spectator, and you'll hear him after the news tonight. Scott, as always, thanks for the time. Be well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. Coming up, as always, we leave it to you, the good CHML listener, to have the last word.
9: I left the bowl of candy out for the kids the other day. Instead, all the squirrels got their hands on it. I wake up this morning, what do you see? They're so nutty, they're climbing up trees. Squirrels on chocolate, film 11.